It's Typo Waffle Time! Welcome to Tiffle Waffle, where we waffle about words in sequence one at a time. No, well, some sequences. Today. Okay, alright, so, um, Steve, have you ever been in a staff room? <laughs> yes, I have been in a staff room. Have you ever been outside drinking a Fanta with a teacher from a staff room? Or uh, insert beverage of your choice? Yes, I have. Have you ever had a teacher go... Why do you do that? Or you never do that. Or the student said that you... Or any other variation. And they start making comments about my classes. Yeah. Or your teaching or lack of teaching or something. Never in your life. Well, no, no. I'm I'm trying to think if I have or not. uh, Nothing springs to mind. Um, I, I, I have had situations where teachers have laughed in the staff room in unison about something that I did. Are you, or failure. Are you telling them this? No, somebody watched, somebody poked their head through the window at an inopportune moment in the lesson when my students were running around. Having a riot. <laughs> Having a riot, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about that, uh, that moment that happens in quite a few classrooms where um, the classic one that I, I guess, my, my first experiences of it were the complaints about a pacing guide. I had to teach this yesterday, and you were supposed to teach that yesterday, but you didn't teach that, so my students didn't know it, and it messed up my whole lesson. Oh. You're giving me a big blank, huh? Well, the one that I've had that's similar to that is, you were supposed to have done that yesterday, and I was supposed to have done this yesterday, but you did this, so my students already knew everything by the time I came into class, and my lesson plan was... Because I, I taught the wrong thing, or because I talked too fast, or I can't remember. You covered material. That I covered that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so there's a, this particular take on the, the, the critique of teaching, um, I'm directing it mostly towards these issues of the students were supposed to know that, and they didn't, therefore... You're wrong. You're wrong. Or, in, or the flip side also works. Um, the students weren't supposed to know this yet, and I went to teach it, and they already did. Okay, but this this is one of those things where a class has got two teachers who teach asynchronously, or, or however you want to call perhaps it. Perhaps they have complementary subjects. Perhaps they are sharing uh, right. sharing material or a book or a curriculum. The, the the case that I have that's most common at the moment, not in my class, but in my teaching team, is uh, teachers who teach in the same class together, yeah. and the one teacher dominates. So teacher A is trying to do an activity, teacher B sees that teacher A can't do it, jumps in and does it for her. And then and teacher then A... Feels disempowered and and upset now because she was having fun with the students and, and the other teacher came in and, and told the students to sit down and be quiet, and you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Mm. Um, this whole being critiqued by a colleague, by a, a peer rather than by a... Supervisor. Administrator, etc., um, can cause quite a bit of friction in the staff room. Sure. And it's very hard when you're in the moment to get anything out of it. Another teacher says to you, you're a crap teacher. And or, or your lesson that you taught was, was crap. crap. Yeah. 
and the students aren't learning anything. Well, that's horrible. Uh, that really is horrible. I mean, the, the problem is that uh, there's a couple of issues here that I, I, I that spring to mind. First of all, we should turn my phone off. Yeah, don't you hate it when another teacher's in your classroom and you're trying to teach and suddenly their phone goes, <laughs> you have a message. Ding, ding, ding. Um, the first is something called plausibility. I don't know if we've discussed this. So teacher plausibility is the sense a teacher has of, for, for why their job is important. You mean their own self-identity? As a teacher, yes. Yep. And, and the reason why th- what they're doing is important. And we all create a sense of plausibility by, cre- by identifying things that we do in the classroom that we feel are important. Yes. Um, so I believe that I need to create a, a, a future for my students where they're developing autonomy. So I do autonomy kinds of activities. I feel that that's important. I feel my job is important. Another teacher comes in and sees that I'm goofing off in the front of the lesson because the students are busy alone. Yeah. Um, and then criticizes me because I'm not working hard enough, something like that. Okay. Uh, so it, that's an attack on my plausibility. Um, and it makes me feel like what I'm doing is not important. So well, plausibility issues are usually from the manager. Yeah, quite often. Yeah, but if a if a peer if another colleague says that I'm doing something wrong, um, that might be a, a plausibility attack. Okay. If if we could call it that. So the question is, uh, do we ignore it and go drink another Fanta? Well, yeah. So the second issue that uh, that strikes me here is that teachers in general, people who become teachers are are very often egotistical maniacs who who have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we all just have these massive egos. Yeah. Um, and we love our classrooms because while we're teaching, we can be the dominant authority. Oh, they are, because yeah. they are our classrooms. Are, that's my classroom, and you'll do what I tell you in my classroom, that kind of thing. Um, and when there's another teacher who's throwing their ego around in the classroom, well, that's, that's an issue. That's okay. a, a massive ego clash. Um, and whose classroom is it anyway? And what the hell are you doing in my classroom? You know. Well, in this case, if it's two, if it's teachers who are sharing the same, in your case, the, the same classroom at the same moment. Yeah, well, that's a big problem. Um, yeah. And I mean, team team teaching at the the best of times. Uh, well, team teaching requires that. The teachers involved have negotiated some sort of role. So yeah. I'll, I'll take control of this part and you take control of that part and help me here. But that means that the two teachers need to sit down and talk about it. And in my experience, when, when the classroom is shared in an ESL classroom, it's a, an American and a Thai, okay. for example. Yep. And then the Thai doesn't speak that much English and the American doesn't speak a lot of Thai. So there's not a lot of negotiation. Okay. One of them has a lesson plan and therefore thinks it's their lesson. And one of them doesn't have a lesson plan but knows the kids very well. And the parents. And the parents. So and in, has in, decorated the classroom. So in this case, um, I'm guessing <laughs> it's a it's a, a local homeroom teacher. Yeah. These are my kids. Yeah. And, then and this is my room. Yeah. And then it's the, uh, the foreign teacher who swans in once a week. And this is my language and this is my time. And yeah. this is my lesson plan if I have one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I'm going to... And then there's a massive clash of egos. I mean, really, it, yeah. it's a disaster waiting waiting for... And it needs, if, you, if you're going to negotiate your way through that kind of classroom, as a foreigner, my, I find, you have to be very willing to back down quickly. You know, if, if, the, foreign t- if the Thai teacher jumps up and starts shouting. Um, yes, but that, see, that's, uh, that's 
going all the way through to having a really strong ego. I think it takes a lot more ego to be willing to back down than it does... You know, it, okay, uh, either I am unsure of myself, so when the Thai teacher steps in, I go, oh, uh, I'm crap. Right. Or uh, I'm so confident in my teaching ability that when the Thai teacher steps in, I go, yeah, whatever. When they're finished, I'll get back to my job. Right. Um, but if you're anywhere in the middle, which, I, which is where most of us are for most of our teaching careers, somewhere in the middle, we're not at the yeah. beginning point or at the end point. Right. Ooh. Yeah, and then what do you do? I mean, you clash with the teacher and that aggravates things the next time. Or you you stay quiet and hold it and become all antagonistic and, in, internally. Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes... An issue. Yeah, an issue. Or you go to your manager and complain, and then she takes it up with the teacher, and then that aggravates it for the next time. Uh, All the solutions involve non-negotiation of the two parties involved. And And I'm sure that the students are benefiting mightily out of these two (laughs) teachers who are so obsessed with getting the best lesson possible that it's paying off. It's it's two people fighting for their best interests. Surely uh, they're going to win out. Dear Lord. And you know what? The, The children are so good at identifying how they can play two teachers off against each other. So, so and so teacher, but teacher so-and-so said that we can do this. And then, well, what do you say? Um, you can say, well, not during my lesson time, but uh, that's just more authoritarian ego. Yeah. Mm. Or, or the classic one. Teacher, um, teacher Chris said that in this grammar, you must use that word, <laughs> spelling, etc. In first language. Well, issue. actually, no. Talking about grammar, I have, I, I do have memories of people saying that I've taught the language incorrectly. Ooh. I have an easy comeback to that um, because I'm South African, so I say, "Well, I'm South African," and that that allows me to be as bad or incorrect with anything that I want to be. Um, because there are times when I don't know what I'm teaching. I mean, like this, the subjunctive. I still don't know what a subjunctive is. Uh, I don't I've been think teaching for, truly does. for 30 years. I don't know what a subjunctive <laughs> is. So when it comes to a lesson on the subjunctive, I, I actually don't really know what I'm teaching. And if, if, if there is a non-native teacher who's very, very good with grammar, I, I, yeah, I, I got it wrong. And I have got it wrong. Okay, so uh, let's use that one. That's a nice, really simple micro example. You teach a language point. So you go in and teach, um, I don't know, uh, what do you call the shop where you buy meat? A butcher. A butcher. Is it a butcher, a butcher's, a butchery, or a butcher's shop? Or a butcher's stall? Yeah, well, so the book says it's a butcher, so I'm going to teach the butcher. Okay, fair enough. Okay. All right, uh, you don't have a book. Um, the internet said the butcher, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the butcher. Well, I just googled butcher's shop, and, and it says it's on Wikipedia. Yeah, and and the person who's challenging you is really confident with this point, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and at this point, I would go right. Well, great. Let's do it that way then, and because it doesn't actually matter too much to me. But if it's something like would have, I've I've he- I've had people in staff rooms fighting. Not not play fighting, really belligerent, aggressive arguing about would have and would of. Oh, well, that's easy. Slap the people who say would of, and slap the people who say you can't say would have, you have to say would have, and then go home. Yes, but, but in the meantime, they're fighting with one another. <laughs> and these are, two, these are two native English speakers 
from two separate native English speaking backgrounds. Yes, yeah. who who are very, very, very certain about the fact that what they're saying is correct. Okay. Uh, nowadays it's really easy because there's Ngram and I mean you can Google yeah. these things. But uh, in in those back in the once upon a times. Yeah, back when I was teaching. <laughs> Way back when I was a... <laughs> when yeah. I was a young lad, you know. All right. Okay, so uh, we've got the the language clash issue. This is a uh, nice little micro example. Teacher A says that teacher B, and in this case your teacher B, uh, has done something wrong. You, in front of the students? Uh, no. They said it to you while you're drinking Fanta. Oh, all right. Uh, this episode is obviously sponsored by Fanta. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah. We'll come to that in a bit. <laughs> okay. Um, as teacher B, yeah. is that a write-off? Do you just go, Yeah, whatever. that's a blow to my ego, yeah. and feel depressed about it and obsess over it? Okay. Do you go, yeah, whatever, that guy's a moron. I don't have to listen to him, he's crap anyway. Do you have the argument in the staff room, or in the playground, or wherever you're drinking Fanta? Mm. Um... Do you secretly tell the students what a moron teacher A is <laughs> and why they shouldn't be ever listening okay, to Okay, well, well, these are all really good options. Which do well, you I've choose? Seen, I've, well, I've seen them all happen. Have you? Yeah, I've seen that teachers tell students that another teacher is wrong. Mm. Uh, I've seen teachers argue. I've seen teachers ignore. I've seen teachers... Well, for, for the listeners, I'll just tell you that I've seen you yep. have a full-blown argument with somebody who has a PhD in linguistics about a, a minor linguistic detail. And um, you, it, you did it with a lot of confidence. By full-blown argument, I think you're saying Troy likes to get belligerent and debate. Well, you, and yes, uh, I mean, it some... wasn't a full-blown argument. It was a debate, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't let the point go. Um, and... And the person you were arguing with also wouldn't let. He firmly believed that he was correct. Yeah. Uh, and I did as well. And you did as well. <laughs> and at the end of the day, we're probably both right and both wrong <laughs> in equal measure. And, and about, about two guess. minutes into the argument, I did my internal shoulder shrug and said, oh, well, bloody hell, I would have given up at this point because who the hell cares? Um, and, and maybe that's what it is. You know, if, if uh, you... Well, I think that's a slightly different example because uh, that's an argument for fun. I mean, we're yeah, arguing okay. so there's no the enjoyment on of the argument. It's right, not actually okay. about teaching. Yeah. We're enjoying the... The banter. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to you, you've done wrong by the students. How dare you damage their minds like that, you incompetent nincompoop. Okay, so what, what's your suggestion? What do you think a teacher should do when this, this kind of interaction in the playground with Fanta takes place? Uh, I don't think there is an answer to it. Uh, I mean, I actually like the debate answer because the debate is often quite informative. I mean, there were, there are things that I found out early in my teaching career that I was actually wrong about, and I, I hadn't known that I was wrong. And sometimes I was really good in the moment. Something would come up and I'd go, what, really? And I'd uh, grab a dictionary and, and look up the pronunciation of the word and realize, oh my god, I've been wrong for the last 25 years of my life. Uh, sometimes I've literally just enjoyed the debate because I'm that kind of person. Mm. And I'm okay with that. But I think the better answer is actually to 
take what they're saying, walk away from it and wonder, is there anything to it or not? Uh, sometimes I, I have to look at, well, where is that critique coming from? Uh, you know, is it coming from somebody who I respect as a teacher or not? Um, because sometimes it's just, uh, what you're actually critiquing is a style issue and okay so let's choose two examples then one one is an example where you've taught the students a language point and the other teacher thinks that the language point is incorrect yeah um, and then you can actually research that because that's yeah. um and another one is where a teacher has criticized you because you did too many activities in a class oh yeah that's a good one um and the kid the students are way too noisy during your lesson and and they're not getting enough practice done and how does that prepare them for the exam and when I went in to teach this afternoon and I asked them to give me an example of present perfect passive they didn't know what I was right. talking about they okay. didn't even know what so in, passive in, meant right in that case that's a stylistic yeah. difference in the first case that's actually a um, something uh, that you can get feedback on a linguistic yeah. detail of the language Right. Uh, yeah, which is very interesting for people like me who like that stuff and very boring for everybody else. But as language teachers, most of us accidentally start liking that stuff. We do. Yeah. Um, but the style one. The style one is... I mean, in theory, I, I, I like the idea that you take that away and actually think about it in the same way that you would think about any feedback. Uh, you know, a, a, the director observes your lesson and, yeah. and gives you feedback. And you don't necessarily always agree with the feedback, but the feedback is obviously coming from somewhere. Mm. And it does give you something to think about and reflect on. That, in that case, that discussion about style is not really an argument. It's an opportunity for reflection, and it's an opportunity to, to consider your lesson from another perspective. Yes. Um but that that does mean you being able to in the moment go oh hmm uh huh all right let's turn this around because I'm in the position now where I do a lot of this I walk around look at teachers and criticize them yeah and sometimes it's stylistic yeah okay so in 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 one case that springs to mind at the moment I was strolling through the school and there were three teachers who were showing movies yeah and I. Dropped, I left it, but when I came back to their classrooms 15 minutes later, they were still showing movies. Showing the movie. And to and me, what, that's problematic. Well, what were the students doing? Watching the movie. They were filling a form. Not that I could see. Well, the lights were off and it was dark inside, so I couldn't actually see the students. I could only see the screen. Um, so that probably meant the students weren't filling in any documentation while yeah, they were I'm watching. I'm also quite stressed to think. I, I guess I'm thinking what you're thinking, which is... Have they been doing that for the last 15 minutes? Well, that's right. So, so this, certainly for the 15 minutes from the beginning to... From the first round I walked to yeah. the second round I walked, it was these three. And I'd and, be going, I hope they paused it four times since then. And had yeah. a feedback discussion. So I... Ooh. Yeah, so <clears throat> my, my instinct is these teachers haven't prepared anything. They don't have a lesson yeah. planned. And these students... Are probably enjoying the movie a lot, but they could just watch the movie at home. This is not an English Possibly class. enjoying the movie a lot. Uh, I know personally that 
a movie playing in school was an opportunity for me to catch up on sleep. Uh, read a comic book under the table. Yeah. Uh, well, use my funky new calculator. Anyway, so um, I, I, tell the teachers that I didn't want that. So, in in a sense, now I'm interfering yeah. these teachers' style. Style. Yeah. They, they've decided that they're going to show a movie every Friday night or whatever, yeah. and I've come around and said you can't do that. Yeah. And I'm attacking their approach to classroom practice. Yeah. Um, and I can because You're a I'm, I'm the director. Yes. Uh, but of course now, when I teach, I do show movies. I, I well, I show clips. Yeah. I've got a three-minute clip, and I might show it eight times. Um, but I wouldn't show a movie. But is that just my style? And, and am I imposing my style on them? Um, or am I right in thinking that these are just lazy teachers who are not doing their job properly? Um, but of course... Or if, for that matter, I mean, it, it could be that they are at a point in their development as a teacher where they're still working out how to use movies in the classroom. I mean, or how to maximise classroom time. Yeah, that yeah. took me a long time. How to figure out how to use video clips in the classroom that that wasn't uh, purely hey be entertained by this yeah that was a uh, uh something that i could exploit for for the students right learning. so in, if, if it's a matter of they're at that point in their development then their conversation a conversation between two peers not between a director because nobody can argue back to a director yeah. nobody can, well i mean they can but they're not going to win um the two peers having a conversation where one says, no, you can't show a movie the whole lesson, that's lazy. And the yeah. other person says, well, no, I'm, they're being exposed to authentic Real, English, yeah. American style. Yeah. And that conversation then leads to some sort of meaningful debate, an exchange of ideas, and hopefully... Some development. A, deve- yeah, a, a consideration of the alternative, and then development. So... The person who's, who's making the counter-argument, you can't show a movie, then goes, well, maybe I should try. Maybe I should show a whole Simpsons episode and... And see what happens. And it'll be a disaster, and they'll go, oh, God, I was right. Um, or whatever. Okay. All right, so we seem to have both come to the same point, which is the, the perfect outcome to this is... Reflection. Yeah, it's an opportunity for reflection. But this is this is incumbent. This is based on the idea that a staff room is a place where people can talk to each other honestly. Uh, there's no yeah. cliques yeah. and bitchy backbiting. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important in staff rooms where where there's people who hate each other. <laughs> um, yeah. Or 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 unpref unprofessionally relate to one another. I mean, we don't love all the people that we work with, but uh, but where, when the staff room is, has got a nice atmosphere, it's easy for people to talk to each other and take feedback positively. Yes. And uh, what if um, that critique that you get, you just go, my God, that guy's a moron. He doesn't well, know what he's talking about. You, you've got to admit that sometimes you've got to think that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My hard part is is uh, when I hear a comment and I'm like, I completely disagree with that person, and I've become in my later years, in my doddering old age, yeah, I've become much better at going, uh, and then coming back to it a little bit later and going, I wonder if there's anything to that. Well, I think that that's the truth. Uh, sometimes we hear something and we we shrug it off or we think, well, I'm not going to listen to that, but it lingers, you know, yeah. it sticks. And sometimes that that linger might actually help point out 
something in your own teaching. Yeah. Um, which sometimes I've had things pointed out to me before that I've stepped back and I've thought about it and gone, oh no, I am right. But I have a much better understanding now of why, oh, why I'm you're right. right. Yeah. Instead of being instinctively, no, I'm right and you're wrong, I've, I have a much more considered and, and thoughtful response. Uh, and other times I've stepped back and, and gone, okay, well, that's my philosophy of teaching. My philosophy and your philosophy are different. Um, you believe that the students should know the names... Of the, all the, the grammatical terms. And yeah, and I believe that the students should use great, it as much as possible. But that's great, because, I mean, if, if a teacher... I believe if a teacher knows what they believe, they'll be a lot more... They'll have a lot more um, conviction about what they're doing in the classroom. I mean, if you just walk into class and do the thing, same thing again and again, and you're not actually thinking about why you're doing it, yeah. your class becomes mechanical. But if you've thought about what you believe... I believe that students don't need to know the to name know the of names. every grammar. Yeah, and you live by that belief. Well, then somebody can criticize you. I think that when people do get upset when there's a criticism, it actually tells a lot more about why about their insecurities. Maybe they are um, quite possibly. And I didn't think finish that sentence today. Whatever. Wouldn't you where you were going? I think also sometimes uh, it's the critiqueur. Oh, right, yes. It's Quite right, the yeah. other way around. Yeah. That person is saying... You don't do it the way that I do it. And and, I, and, I, and obviously I'm right. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I really wonder if I am right. I, I think a lot of the people who are bold enough to critique it have already decided that they're right. Oh, yeah. And how dare you have not taught the students how to spell the word participle? <laughs> is it P-L-E? No, it's P-I-A-L? Participable. Particular. Yeah. Right, so our sponsor today. Uh, was it Fanta? It was Fanta, okay. yes. I, Fanta I, comes in four different flavours. I think there's probably 14. Well, the four important ones. and um, Red, blue, green, orange, yellow, purple and aquamarine. Right, and one of the things, that, I mean, it's delicious for, for to drink Fanta and it's very good for sugar if your kids are suffering from some sort of sugar crash in the classroom. It's also very terrible for sugar if uh, all you want to do is live off sugar. Right. Well, and if you've got diabetes, you don't want to do this. But um, also, in, in Asia anyway, the spirit houses love Fanta. You can always <laughs> you can always put a little glass of Fanta into your spirit house. No, and it appease them. a bottle with a straw. Oh, did it, oh yes, that's right. A little weenie one, right? But the brighter the color, the happier the gods are. So the spirits like it. And if you don't want to drink this Fanta, just give it to your spirit house. Okay, so waffle off and Fanta on. Tofu Ruffle is proudly brought to you by the non-stop Waffler, Troy and Steve. For any question, comment, com- complain or queries, you can email tofurafa at gmail.com or visit www.tofur.com.